breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, here's Steve Scafidi. Little boss boy this morning enjoyed the heck out of that concert last night, Pfizer Forum. Were you there? Let me call 855-616-163. I'd love to hear from you on your thoughts. I said it was one of the greatest concerts I've ever been at. And I've been at a lot of concerts over my, lo- my long life. For those of us who are older than 50, uh, Bruce Springsteen is an artist who, I said it before, I said backtrack, but I meant soundtrack. It's the soundtrack of, of my life. Because it was high school and college. Um, I have people, even including on the text line, say, I don't see the magic of Springsteen. His songwriting ability is almost unmatched. His voice, even at 73 years old, is absolutely incredible. The energy that he brings in a three-hour show, roughly, slightly under three hours, is probably unmatched as well. And you don't have to like Bruce Springsteen. There were some younger people there, teenagers, in fact. I was talking to Vince and Eric, who probably didn't know most of those songs. And he didn't play my favorite song, which is Bobby Gina. I didn't expect him to. It's, it's one of his lesser-known songs. I just like it. But the set list was incredible. The songs you expect to hear, right? Starts off with No Surrender, Prove It All Night, Promised Land, Candy's Room, an extended version of Kitty's Back, like 10 minutes, featuring his incredible E Street band and it's gotten bigger over the years. The uh, the horn section, absolutely incredible. Trombone, trumpets. Listen to his, his encore. Land of Hope and Dreams, Thunder Road, Born to Run, Rosalita, which brought the house down at Pfizer Forum, Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and he ends, he ends it with a solo acoustic performance of I'll See You in My Dreams Bruce being Bruce. And he kept asking in the crowd, are you loose, Milwaukee? And the crowd responded in fashion. So I'm asking a couple questions. One, if you're at the concert, your thoughts, 855-616-1620. I absolutely loved it. And I, I admit I'm a, I'm a huge Bruce fan, but I haven't seen him in a while. Most of my Bruce live experience was many years ago when he wasn't the Bruce that he is now. But how often do you see artists who just show up and entertain and, you know, I posted something, in an innocent picture about the show last night, and somebody says, well, you like him because he's lib. There was no politics in last night's show. And again, when somebody says that to me, I didn't respond, because, I mean, what's the point? Is this where we're at? That because someone has liberal leanings and they're a musician, I can't like them anymore? Or the opposite, a conservative musician, I can't like them anymore? Is that what we're going to do? Is that how we're going to play the game? What a stupid way to look at that. Absolutely dumb. Now, I will also say this. Pfizer Forum, it's always going to be challenging with security and large crowds. I thought they did a fine job. I had some friends who were at the show that said they, they got their got their seats late because the, they didn't think security was up to the challenge. I got right in. I was in my seats. I got there early, though, which is part of, I guess, understanding that when you have a big, big act like Springsteen, E Street Band, it's going to take some time to get in. There's nothing that I heard last night that suggests, ah, he's old, I don't care about him. There's none of that. It's the same energy I saw 30 years ago. 
the same inspiring music. I, I, my, my wife, Kathy, looked at me a couple times and said, man, you're like really into this. This is like your anthem. I go, yeah, absolutely. I hear Backstreet's, I'm going to scream and yell. Born to Run, Rosalita. Anybody in Milwaukee who hasn't closed Wolski's and heard Rosalita at the end of the night, I think it's still the last song they play. Spent too many nights at Wolski's, and I'm a big fan of the place, but that's part of that mystique as well. They call him the boss for a reason. 855-616-1620. Did you like the concert? What would you think? Was it your first experience with Bruce Springsteen? Because I love to hear those, that, that, that fresh experience, not realizing what he's about. You maybe know his music, but you never saw him live. An explosion of talents in incredible environments on an incredible night in Milwaukee, which, frankly, we don't have enough of those. And for me and a lot of other people, it was just a night to remember. And, and look, I've been to a lot of concerts. Seen almost everybody, from McCartney to Billy Joel to name it. I've seen them. All kinds of music, from Lady Gaga to The Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan. Seen them all. Nobody, nobody delivered like Springsteen did last night. And I was encouraged by, because often I critique the critics. And whether it was the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's uh, Piet Levy, or I'm Milwaukee's, it was Bobby Tanzillo wrote that. Um, they saw what I saw. Incredible performance by an incredible artist. And, and who knows how long this continues. He's a grandfather now, Bruce is. And we all know the strains of responsibility that come with that. Your kids' kids. Another Steve joins me from Milwaukee to talk about his experience. Welcome to the show, Steve. What did you think? I enjoyed it quite a bit. What did you What did you like about it? Because I, I, I mean, his encore was incredible. I mean, going through ripping through some of his greatest hits, but obviously Rosalie is a big one. Born to Run is yeah. always incredible. I mean, the the energy of him, the energy of the crowd. I, I just dug all of it. Yeah, me too. I was, you know, I was thinking about this. This is probably like the fifth time I've seen him, and I've seen a number of the, uh, you know, so called greats, uh, Paul Simon and. Elton John, and they were all they were all good, and maybe it's just a little bit of recency bias, but he seems to be able to, you know, with his band interacting with his band, you know, his really really enjoying, you know, being there on the stage, um, just continues to impress me. I mean, you know, I'm uh, a little bit over a decade younger than him. And I was I was worn out by the end of the yeah. night. I don't know how the man does it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I needed a, I needed a, a nap. But of course, I was going to bed. Thanks for the call, Steve. I I think I slept about five hours last night because I was still buzzed after the concert. I mean, it was just such an incredible feeling. Eight five five six one six one six eight. We'll take a break. One six twenty. We'll take a break here. Love to hear from you. Is there a great concert that you remember? One that stands out, whether that's as young person, older person, whatever it is that that. At the end of it, you took you took something out of it that was more than just the music. And I will say this about the E Street Band and Bruce Springsteen. Their musicianship is as good as it gets. From the horn section, backup singers, percussionists, extra vocalists. Nils Lofgren always blows me away. Little Nils Lofgren. 
a little Stevie. It, it is like unbelievable the talent on display, and that's one of the reasons that we're talking about it this morning. Join us in the conversation eight five five six one six one six twenty on this post Bruce Wednesday on WTMJ. Playing a little Bruce for you this morning. That's my favorite song. He didn't play it last night. I didn't expect him to, but there's something about that song that I actually get choked up when I hear it. I don't know what it is. I didn't know of Bobby Jean. The story doesn't necessarily match my story, but it's just something about that song. You know, I, I gave a shout-out to Wolski's, one of the texters from the 414. My husband has worked at Wolski's for over 25 years. Thanks for the shout-out. You bet. There's some great things about Milwaukee. You know, we spend so much time talking about nonsense and negative. Political nonsense, I should say. This is something to celebrate. And Wolski's, if you've never been there, go see it. I think it's right off of Humboldt there. Right around the corner of Scafidi's, actually. No no relation. Another great local bar. Wolski's, I spent my entire college career there on most weekends. Playing pool, listening to music, drinking beer, of course. And her uh, lady says her husband works there for 25 years. So shout out to Wolski's. Speaking of shout outs, I went to dinner before the concert last night. And I got a bunch of calls and a lot of texts. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, local restaurant, again, buy local. Santino's Bayview. Have you been there? Santino's Little Italy? Unbelievable Italian food. Met the, uh, I think he's the owner slash manager, Greg. Seven years it's been there. Two owners. Santino's the other one. Uh, our server, Gracie, was awesome. I had uh, Bolognese. Awesome. Just want to give them a shout out. Great Italian food. And not that expensive, folks. So check it out, Bayview. All right. So... I was absolutely thrilled. You never know what to expect. I hadn't seen Bruce in 20 years. I love his music. He actually got me back listening to records. Vinyl, again. Because some of the, uh, the recent stuff he's done. And he played Night Shift last night. I was trying to think, why is he playing Night Shift? Then I realized he's got a new album out with 15 cover songs. That's one of them. And even that was incredible. Let's go to the phone lines. Charlie calling from Germantown. Hey, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. We'll go back late late 1960s. I saw Herman's Hermits at the auditorium in Milwaukee. I don't remember much about the music, but I remember all the (laughs) girls in the crowd going gaga for Peter Noon, the lead singer, because he was this good-looking British guy who was... Uh, the British stuff was hot at the time, so Herman's yeah. Hermits, 1960. I love it. I love that uh, that old shout out to to a great. Um, I'm Henry the Eighth. I am. I am. That's one. Of the, I think one of their hits. Yeah, that that kind of stuff is is cool because we were talking about this in the group last night. We had six of us, just like favorite concerts. You know, I saw Tony Bennett at the. I think it was the Riverside. Blew me away. And this is only like five years ago. It doesn't tour anymore, but that concert stood out. The fact that. I'll tell you a quick story. So I'm at the theater. And Tony Bennett, we, you know, left my heart in San Francisco, all, all the hits. And the voice was strong as ever. At one point, he puts the mic down on the piano and just sings unaided to this crowd at the Riverside. And I could hear him clear as day without a microphone. The power of the voice, even in his 80s, something I'll never forget. Dennis joins us from West Dallas. Hey, Dennis. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you about the energy that that uh, Bruce exudes. I'd seen him just a couple of times. My son, I, I took him 
when, uh, when he was younger, and he followed Bruce for about 20, 23 shows. <laughs> wow. So he, he uh, kind of picked up on that. Any of it, but in addition to, to him, any number of other artists that I've seen, sometimes it's the artist itself, sometimes it's the venue. And I'll give you examples of both. Um, Harry Chapin, um, John Denver, Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. You feel like they're singing to you. Like, like you're the only person in the room. At least that's how I felt when I'd hear these guys. Absolutely, okay? absolutely. I saw, any, saw all of them any number of times. But sometimes the venue has something to do with it, too. I'm, I'm crushed that they closed the, uh, uh, the place at Pottawatomie, okay? It was such an intimate setting. And I, I had seen, um, what was it, um, Loggins and Messina, and their musicianship in their group was phenomenal mm-hmm. also. Yeah, Northern Lights and, Theater and they is the one you're talking about. Well. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. I, and I'd seen Cheap Trick there, and I'd seen Blood, Sweat, and Tears there. I mean, any number of groups that – and it just seemed like that venue just amplified the performance as well. Yes. It, it was just amazing. But but there's another set of uh, musicians in prog rock, like um, Peter Gabriel and the Moody Blues and – what was it uh, Rush? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. All of these guys always, you know, lived up to their billing. They're just phenomenal, and I've seen all of those a number of times as well. Yeah, thanks for the call, Dennis. The interesting thing that he said is the venue does matter. I've seen small set- settings, intimate settings. I've seen big stadium shows, but the thing that I appreciate last night, we're going to stay on this because I got a ton of phone calls and texts, and I know people are excited about it. And as much as people. Some people say, ah, I don't like I don't like his music. Trust me, if you like music in general, you would have appreciated last night, the way that he brought it last night, which is it's classic Springsteen. And I'm not saying anything that anybody else hasn't been saying. It just for me it touched something and it, it speaks to that musical connection to our life, right? Soundtrack of your life could be anything. Could be any band. And if you have an idea, have a thought, eight five five six one six one six twenty. I got a lot of great texts. People at the show, Tom and Rome, want to weigh in. Rome's got a really interesting one. Uh, we'll get to all of that after the news, which is com- coming up after this break on WTMJ. Did you see The Boss last night? I did. Loved it. Amazing musical performance. He always delivers. It's been a while since I saw him, but it, it was... You know how you, you admire musical acts? They're not your friends. You don't know them personally. But when you when you see an artist that connects in that way... That's how I would describe the Bruce Springsteen, the boss experience. The history, the incredible talent of Clarence Clemens, who's no longer with us, but his nephew now playing brilliant sax last night. He just blew me away. Uh, I have a ton of texts on, on this. Um, I'm, hi, Steve. I'm 63. This is 262. I'm, I'm 63 years old and originally from the Chicago area. When I was nine, I saw the Beatles, and then I saw Elvis when I was a few years older. So cool. That's two that I didn't see. I did see Paul McCartney, and uh, yeah, think about that. The Beatles and Elvis. Never had a chance to see Elvis, although I probably could have. Uh, maybe not. I can try to remember when I started going to Vegas. I mean, he was, he was a fixture there, but I think I, he would have been already out of that kind of performing at that point. Uh, so we got a lot of people weighing in on the, on the experience last night. We'll stay on it, 855-616-1620. We got Mike and Rome queued up on the phone lines. You can join us as well. One of the things I loved was the connection between Bruce, the E Street Band, and the audience. That's not unique. 
but it was incredible, the feeling last night. And a lot of people who've seen him way more than I've seen him said the energy in the room last night at Fiserv Forum was incredible, especially the latter part of the concert when we were all up. There was a gentleman in front of me who uh, had trouble getting down the stairs to get in his seat at the beginning of the concert. He was up most of the con- end of the concert. That's the infectious spirit. It's, at one point, I think somebody, one of the uh, reviewers said it felt like a revival, a religious revival. It had that feeling, folks, and that's, that's the cool thing. Celebrating the positive amidst all the uh, doom and gloom, not my words, someone else's, of the uh, the current era in our country and our culture. All right, we'll take a break for news. After the, after the break, we'll get back to this. Little boss for you. He did play that last night. A rousing edition of Glory Day. A lot of the fun part about a concert like this, big artists like Springsteen, like the Stones, like Paul McCartney, is there's a lot of singing along that goes with it, a lot of moving as well, which is good for our our bodies, right? Especially older bodies. Moving those legs, moving those hips. A lot of that happened last night. All right, let's get to the phone lines. Rome has been very patient. Rome, welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Wednesday to you. And happy Wednesday to everyone out there in Radio Land. Yes. I have an awesome story about uh, I grew up in Georgia until I was 10 years old. Then all of a sudden, my mother moved us to Pennsylvania. And when we got to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, my aunt from New York came to visit us that summer, which was 1965. I went back to New York, spent the summer with my aunt. And on a Tuesday night, my aunt tells me to get dressed. We're going to the Apollo Theater. So we get dressed. I, didn't, I was 10 years old. I didn't know anything about the Apollo Theater. So anyway, we get dressed. We catch a, a subway, and we get to the Apollo Theater, and it's about 6 o'clock in the evening, and there's an old lady on the stage, and she's telling all these raunchy jokes. <laughs> and so uh, after she got off, her name was Ma- Mom's Mabley. I oh, didn't yeah. know who she was, but she was funny and gross. Mm-hmm. So then she gets off the stage, and on comes this old, raggedy-haired, scrubbly bearded man, and he was even more gross and more nasty than Mom's Mabley. <laughs> so after about an hour of him telling all these filthy jokes, he's Red Fox. Oh, yeah, comedian, so yeah. Red Fo- yes, so Red Fox leaves the stage, and his band comes and sets up. And the band sets up and out, you know, they're tuning up, and all of a sudden his horn section is just jamming. So after about them warming up for 30 minutes, the guy comes out in the mic and says, ladies and gentlemen, give a hand for Fred Wesley and the JBs. So, of course, the JBs was James Brown's band. Wow. Well, out about, about a half an hour later, out on the stage comes none other than James Brown, the godfather of soul. He put on a show, man, that left me just mesmerized. How old were you when this happened? Kind of a, How old were you when this happened? I was 10 years, ten was years 10 old. Years old. Wow. 10 years old. Now, now, listen to this, though. I had a myth. I had a myth also. That was the same year that the Beatles were live at Shea Stadium. So some of the guys that I was shining shoes and selling newspapers with in New York, I used to shine shoes and sell newspapers when I was 10 years old on the corner of 186th and Amsterdam in Harlem. Wow. And so here I am selling newspapers, and my friends get the idea of, let's catch the subway over and try to sneak in to, shake, in to see the Beatles. And me being as gullible as I was, I thought it was something that I could do, but uh when they, they told me where to take two subways and a bus, I, I chickened out. Oh, <laughs> Rome. That would have been a legendary <laughs> experience, man. Thanks for the call. I mean, I love that stuff. Music changes your life. I, I can tell you just, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about negative things, right? The, I call it political nonsense. Some people call it a, 
a way of living or making a living on radio and TV. Whatever you think about that. To have an evening like last night in Milwaukee, celebrating great music, great fans, loyal fans, was pretty special. Mike joins us from Illinois. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning, Steve. I'm driving through Kenosha as we speak in the great state of Wisconsin. All right. So what was your memory? So my brother, my, first of all, my cousin was at the show last night, and she posted stuff on Facebook, so uh, I got to see a little taste of it. Um, my brother turned me on to Springsteen in, like, the – sounded like between the mid and the late 70s. He went to the Darkness on the Edge of Town tour. Right. And um, he came back. He was, like, so excited. He said, this guy played for four hours. And I said to him, well, what did he open up with? He said, Born to Run. I'm like, well, what did he play after that? Little did I know how, you know, big, I was young. I, little did I know how big Springsteen's repertoire was. And my, you know, fandom with him grew. I saw him um, the Tunnel of Love tour uh, at the Rosemont Horizon. And this is a good story, Steve. I hope you got a little time. So sure, sure. I couldn't get a ticket. I was trying to scalp. Could not get a ticket. I literally am walking back to my car. Uh, Rosemont Horizon, nobody, everyone's in the show. I'm just dejected, completely dejected. Went by myself because I wanted to see him so bad. This lady walks up to me. She goes, do you want to go to the show? I said, yeah. She goes, here. She was from the press. She had seen the show the night before. She gives me her free ticket. Wow. That's amazing. So I was stoked. Now, I have to be honest with you. Um, he was doing the Tunnel of Love tour. He was a little despondent at that time. He was going through his divorce with Julianne... Um, uh, Phillips. Yes. And yeah. so it was a little subdued, but, it, you know, he's still the boss. But so, but the best concert I ever saw, I was a junior in high school. I had tickets to the Who, fifth row, and it was phenomenal. And that's when I truly saw, and it, I'm sure it was partially because of how close I was, I saw what a front man was. Roger Daltrey, just kind of like Rome, he had me mesmerized. I could not take my eyes off him. And obviously they have Pete Townsend. And at that time, Kenny Jones was on the drum, John Entwistle was on bass. But Roger Daltrey was the most phenomenal frontman I ever saw. Not taking anything away from the boss, but I never was that up close with him. Yeah, but great. Roger Daltrey. Yeah, great Roger. memory and great band, the, the Who, especially in the 80s. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. I have a ton of texts on this. I'm going to take a break. You can still get in, in, into the conversation, 855-616-1620. Just celebrating some of the fun things that we get to do. And, and for some of us last night, and Mike is right. It was shared everywhere on social media, whether it was Twitter, Facebook, probably all the other platforms as well. You, you, could, you could get a sense of what it was like to be there in Pfizer Forum. And really cool story, quick before the break, I saw that uh, the folks at Pfizer gave uh, the E Street Band and Bruce Springsteen bobbleheads of the entire cast of the E Street Band. And... What they do with those, I have no idea, but it was pretty cool because it, it had everybody, including their uh, their percussionists, their their vocalists, obviously the great Max Weinberg on drums, Bruce, of course, little Steven, Nils Lofgren, even their uh, fiddle player, violin player. I mean, it just it was fantastic last night. I got a ton of texts. We'll get to those and a lot more after this. Oh, he played that one last night, Dancing in the Dark. Got everybody up. Those who weren't on their feet jumped up pretty quickly. Uh, hey, we're, we do this every Thursday, but I want to give you a heads up. The Mineshaft, our great sponsors and the promoters of our That's What Steve Said segment every Thursday, 1108. Mineshaft, locally owned, family owned, the most affordable restaurant in our area for over 46 years. You heard John McCure talk about it, of course. 
every Thursday. Speaking of Thursdays, that's what Steve said. You buy one pizza, you get one free. Second one free. Mineshaft, of course, beautiful location in downtown Hartford. And uh, one of our lucky contestants tomorrow, and that's what Steve said, gets a $30 gift card from the Mineshaft Restaurants in beautiful downtown Hartford. They also have a Highway 41 location in Oshkosh. What our prize, our giveaway tomorrow, 1108 Thursdays. For a lucky winner, if that's what Steve said, a $30 Mineshaft gift card. I will be going there actually in the next couple weeks, so looking forward to that visit. You can get a $30 gift card by just by joining us and winning tomorrow on That's What Steve Said. So that's coming up. Um, let me give some love to the Texers because I got a ton of Texers. A lot of Wolski's love today. I love that. You don't hear much about them anymore, but it's still a great place to go to locally. Uh, let's see. Susan says, I echo a previous caller, and, and then I'm... Crushed in the closing of the Northern Lights Theater. Yeah, that, that's a big deal. It was a great local venue. But you know what? There's there's work being done on some new local venues. Uh, let's see. Hey, Steve, his passion to perform for his audience fans has not changed since the first time I saw him in 1977. Last night was no exceptional. No exception. Fabulous. Also choked me up. I'm not kidding. When you're listening to the words of Backstreets or especially Born to Run, uh, he, some of the songs he didn't play last night, but that are my personal favorites. Just the jungle, the jungle land song. I mean, it's, oh, it's just incredible. Uh, let's see what else we got here before we go back to the phone lines. Uh, let's say, let's see here. Uh, that one does not pertain to what we're talking about. Here's a Neil Diamond thing from Matt's mention. I was a Neil Diamond fan until I saw him at Summerfest. I wish I didn't. His age definitely shown through. You know, he he had he's had a rough last couple of years. But people that saw Neil Diamond in his prime absolutely loved him. And that's something that, like me last night, and like a lot of other people at Pfizer for me, you're going to remember for a long time. Let's go to Danny, who's on the phone lines, calling from Janesville. Hey, Danny. Hey, Steve. How's it going? I am good on this Wednesday. Feeling, I got a positive vibe after last night, which, as you know, music does that does that to you. Oh, heck yeah. You, you see somebody that, well... I don't want to say Springsteen's past his prime, but, you know, he's not spring chicken anymore. But when you see somebody like that, you know, pull out all the stops and put on a, a damn good show, you know, that's that's worth, you know, any price. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was your memory? My big one is Warren Zevon. Oh, great artist. Um, a friend of mine had said, you know, hey, with your personality, you got to learn the song Excitable Boy by Warren Zevon. Mm-hmm. So I went out the next day, bought the album, and was like, okay, who is this guy? So I put it in, and I'm going, wow, I love this guy. I love everything about it, the production value, uh, the the songwriting, his voice especially, you know, everything. So I became an instant fan, and about two weeks later, that same friend says, hey, you know that, that guy I told you about? He's playing over at the Barrymore Theater. So I just thought, well, heck, got to go. So we paid 20 bucks. We're able to get into the front row and kind of find out later it was a sold-out show. So when saw him, okay, thought it was great, had some band backing him up. <clears throat> and my buddy says, well, hey, you know, after the show, let's go over across the street to the diner. Nine times out of ten, the guys that play here go over there and eat something. You know, maybe you can meet the guy. Mm-hmm. So we do that. He's sitting there eating a sandwich at a table, so... The fanboy that I am, I run up to him, and I'm like, hey, you know, Mr. Zivon, I just started listening to you. I really love your stuff, blah, 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 blah. 
he looks up at me and, can't, and goes, can't you see him eating? <laughs> F off. Wow. So for, so for about 20 years, I'm telling people about that because I'd heard about how he was anti-anger, antisocial. Well, then he's playing the Barrymore Theater. Or, I'm sorry, the, uh, the rave. So I go there to see him there, and he's acoustic, you know, solo acoustic, which I thought, great. I can see the best of both worlds. Puts on a phenomenal show. Afterwards, he's doing a meet and greet. So I asked him about the Barrymore because he hadn't played there before, you know, after that, that one gig I had seen. He tells me that, you know, the sound was bad and all this. And I go, well, that would explain why he told me to tell me where to go. <laughs> Raises his eye, one eyebrow like only he can. And he goes, excuse me? And I explained the situation. And he goes, I remember you. He says, you came running up and you talked about how you liked what I do with chord progressions and that they're not the normal standard thing. And I go, yeah, that was me. And he goes, I felt bad about that. And he goes, oh, do you have a copy of the new album? And, you know, I'm like, you have a new one? He goes, yes. And so he ends up signing that for me. He gives me, like, all of his other albums and the laminate off of his neck, signs all this stuff to me and gives it to me for free. You know, And I'm like, dude, this is like $300 I'm taking out of your pocket. You know, let me pay for he can afford at it. least some of this. But, you know, I was like, let me pay for some of this. And he goes, no. He says, I, you were a true fan, and I kind of screwed you. And he goes, you deserve this. And I'm like, man. I said, you know how many people have gotten a smile out of telling them that story? And so he winks at me and goes, F off. <laughs> you know, again. And I just thought it was so cool. And then, you know, like six months later, he dies of cancer. Right, right. But, you know, I just thought, what a great experience. Not only to, to meet an artist that I really appreciated and still do, but then to have a personal interaction like that. Yeah. I just thought that was, you know, phenomenal. That's the best. Thanks for sharing that story, Dan. I mean, I, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I've never met Bruce Springsteen in person. I actually was kind of inviting him on the show yesterday, if, in fact, he was in town, which maybe he didn't get into later. Um, but I have a feeling if, if I had a one-on-one -on -one with Bruce Springsteen, It'd be like a normal conversation. You know, there's so much pretense and nonsense. I, I've been using that word a lot today and, and recently with politics. That it pollutes a lot of the just the fun things that we can talk about. And that's why I wanted to, I deliberately wanted to spend an hour just having fun on the show today. Because I had fun last night. Uh, a couple quick ones off the text line. Uh, when I was in college, this is from the 262, me and my four buddies were at a country bar on Water Street. We we're the only ones in the bar and in walked Zach Brown. He pulled up a chair, had a beer with us, then got on stage and played his new song, Chicken Fry, just for us. Great, great guy and great musician. See, that's, that's an artist that gets it. And if I, if I know one thing about Bruce Springsteen, and again, don't know him personally, but the artist Bruce Springsteen, he gets the fan experience. From all accounts, whether you watch the Howard Stern interview with him, which was fantastic, one of the brilliant things that Howard Stern does. I know everybody doesn't like him, but, but that interview with Bruce was incredible, and I think it's still running on HBO, is the, the fact that he's a perfectionist. And I told this story yesterday. As someone who's learning how to play piano right now, I'm about five or six months in, the difficulty of that instrument and the fact that Bruce self-taught himself to play some of these songs that are legendary now on his aunt's piano, it's an incredible story, self-taught. And if you watched his performance last night at Pfizer Forum or heard about it, his guitar playing, as good as it gets, at 73 years of age, ultimate 
performer. But beyond that, complete respect for the fans. And when he sat down and, and sang his last song acoustically with just him and a microphone, it was absolutely legendary last night. We'll take a quick break. Bruce's last song last night to close out his nearly three-hour set at Pfizer Forum. Fantastic performance. I said one of the greatest performances I've ever witnessed, and I've probably been to 100 concerts or more in my lifetime from some really great artists from Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, all the way through that great list of, of fantastic music talents in this world. I was mentioning Wolski's. Uh, they, have, they have a big event this Saturday. Pub Crawl, Milwaukee Rug, Rugby Club. Want to be some big, see some big tough guys? Go to Wolski's. I might, you know, my I'm, my wife's heading out of town in a couple of weeks. I might, I might Uber down to Wolski's and have a couple drafts there. I have not been there in a couple of years. Long overdue. I got to get down, and then right around the corner, Scafidi's. No relation. So I may may stop in there. You got to do it safely though. You got to Uber or have a designated driver. All right, we're gonna move on and talk about some other stuff. Thanks for all the great texts. Um, I couldn't possibly read them all. The cool thing about all of this is, whatever your musical tastes. Just appreciate great musicianship, great artistry, great craftsmanship from the, the drumming of Max Weinberg to Nils Lofgren guitar work and the incredible vocals of Bruce Springsteen. You don't even have to be a fan. Just appreciate the energy and, and the coolness of being there and experiencing that. It's great to celebrate all of that with Milwaukee last night. All right, news is next on WTMJ. Breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, here's Steve Scafidi. Indeed it is. Still have the glow of a three-hour, nearly three-hour Bruce Springsteen concert last night, Price Reform. And to the texter said, move on from Springsteen. You know what? Blow it out. No, I'm not going to say that on the radio. Come on, dude. Lighten up. That deserves a lighten up, Francis. We'll find that for texter boy. It's got to be a guy, right? Only a guy would send something like that in on the text line. Lighten up, Francis. Yes, thank you, Producer Brandon. Yes, that's for you, buddy. Now, I'm going to change subjects, not because of you, but because I want to. So a couple quick hitters here. I, I generally don't do quick hitters anymore. Used to do the 4 at 10, the four biggest stories in Milwaukee State. And I don't do that anymore. We still have a 4 at 10, though. And we have a giveaway today. Don't forget, Patty LaBelle. Hello. Talking about great artistry. All right. Can we please stop with the um, all the outrage after the outrage? So Chris Rock has a Netflix special. I want to make sure I get the name of this right, because if you look it up. Uh, selective outrage. Okay. So now... This is, this is classic America, right? Culture of, of, of our great country. So now columnists, op-ed writers are, oh, how dare Chris Rock pick again on Jada Pinkett Smith, the wife of Will Smith? What planet are you from? Seriously. Her husband goes on stage in front of a billion people on live TV and smacks the presenter in the face. How? There's not two sides to that. He should have been arrested. One of the things that drives me nuts about our 
current climate. It's the what about ism. It's the uh, always another side to the story. Sometimes there's not another side of the story. The only side of that story I care about is Will Smith or Chris Rock rather finally getting a chance to blow up Will Smith and his crazy marriage to his wife, who embarrasses him constantly by banging his apparently his kid's friend. That's the unfiltered version of that. Although some people would say it's filtered. So, you know, I'm reading column after column. I, I don't know why I got on this last or yesterday afternoon. But I'm thinking, is this what we're going to do now? We're going we're gonna to go after Chris Rock because he's too hard on Jada Pinkett Smith? Her alopecia? He's a comedian. And whether she's mad at Chris Rock for something that happened in 2016 when she wanted Chris Rock to boycott the Oscars because her husband didn't get nominated for the movie Concussion. I saw the movie. I don't think he does, he needed to be nominated. That was, of course, the Oscars So White controversy. And again, I say to people that, that use those kinds of terms, it's not the color of your skin. It's the quality of the film that you make and that you appear in and your performance. We're not going to affirmative action the Oscars. It's not going to happen. Should there be fair diversity? Absolutely. I'm the first person to argue for that. We're not going to quota system this thing. So don't come at me with all these, oh, my God, Chris Rock went too far. No, he didn't. He should have sued his you-know-what and settled it in courts. Want to hear a great response to this? The great response to this is, shut the hell up. Your husband acted like a lunatic on live TV. He's wrong. Chris Rock, Chris Rock did nothing wrong. He's a comedian. He comments on our culture and our society. You want to be angry about something? The Cosby Show is still playing on TV, on a cable lineup near you. How is that a thing? Yeah, I know he's out of jail on a technicality. He, drug, he drugged women and raped them. And a network wants to put that show on the air constantly? Please. You want to be outraged about something? Whew. I'll give you some things to be outraged about. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to calm myself down because it's a positive Wednesday. Snowstorm again. Watch has already started for Friday. Trust me, we'll live, folks. We'll survive. Hell, if you really don't want to shovel it, just wait a week or so. It'll just melt. Where you got to go? What you got to do? It's Wednesday on the show where you don't have to check your brain at the door. And we were talking about Springsteen for an hour, and I loved it. You should, too. Welcome, welcome, welcome the Wednesday show. Hump day, middle of the week. week this week flying by again, maybe because of the excitement of the Springsteen concert. But here we are Wednesday already. So my show poll today has to do with a, a news events. And... Um, it's been talked a lot about on this station and certainly the national programs. Four Americans travel to Mexico, a northern state, and I don't even try to say the name of it. Uh, apparently for cosmetic surgery, two end up being killed. Kidnapping in the truest sense. So I asked a question today on the show poll. 
You can find it at 620 WTMJ or at WTMJ. Steve, would you feel safe traveling to Mexico right now? And I just gave you a few answers, as I always do. No chance, not worth it. 53% of you are already responding. 200 votes. Pretty good. Maybe. Depends on where. 28%. Yes, only at resorts. That's the key part of that story. A lot of people feel really safe at the resorts. That's not absolute, but it does give you some sense of security, and and I certainly want to discourage people from going where you want to go. That's your right. That's your part of the fun of travel, right? You go where you want to go. I'm not a fan of Mexico. I don't need all you can eat, all you can drink. Not my thing. But I get it. But just a thought on the, the travel decision. And, I, you know, this is a tragic story. I don't want to make light of it. But we make a lot of dumb, people make a lot of dumb decisions. And I've, I've had people I, I, I've known in my lives who have traveled to Mexico for really expensive, out-of-the-mainstream surgeries to try to save their lives, usually cancer-related Never ends well, spend way too much money, doesn't change anything. Part of that whole growing phenomena of alternative theories, health-related. And I understand some people have a pretty high opinion of this stuff, including a senator from Wisconsin, but you do you. you if that's your thing, you, you do it. But just, just a thought that you know, perhaps traveling to Mexico for cosmetic surgery... In an area that, by the way, is not that safe, it's probably not a great idea to, what, save money? Probably not a great idea. And I don't want to beat up Mexico. They get beat up enough, trust me. Or people who have have come from Mexico and now live in our country either as citizens or want to be citizens. Culture's amazing, the good parts of the culture. Far too much violence, but let's be honest, we have that here as well. You know, part of the theme that I've been talking about recently is making smarter, better decisions. Listen better, be smarter, leadership is hard. Many of the things are interrelated. And, you know, we suffer from poor leadership in this country. Folks who think that the running for election part is way more important than the actual performance of their jobs once they're in office. The constant running, the constant fundraising, the constant ignoring of all of their constituents in favor of those constituents who voted for them. And we accept that, clearly, because we keep bringing these people back. But if I'm a reasonable, rational adult in this country, and maybe that's a big ask, I don't know. Because a lot of crazy stuff happens in this country every day, some of which we talk about. Is Mexico a place you want to go to save money on cosmetic surgery? And again, I don't want to make light of it because it's, it's, it's a tragic story. You know, chasing down to a foreign country in an, what is generally considered to be a very unsafe part of Mexico to save a few bucks. How'd that work out? And whether that makes me insensitive or... Lacking compassion, that's not me. I'm compassionate, but I also expect something. You know, somebody chastised me when I said a few minutes ago, the radio show where you don't have to check your brain at the door. I say that for a reason. 
Because like we've been talking about sort of another theme of the show is we're being lied to in this country nightly by pretend journalists, fake news, whatever you want to call it, the real fake news, who people who say one thing under oath or when they think these conversations are private, they're not, and say something completely different on the air to their audience, which generally means they're entertainers, even though they probably wouldn't say that. Not unique to national TV, happens in local radio as well. The willingness to just bend over and take it because it makes your party or your favorite politician feel good. What a, what a waste of time. Should you challenge authority? Absolutely. I favor small government, but I want government to do what it's supposed to do, and I want it to work efficiently. And I'm generally not a, a fan of one party who has all the answers because if you listen to the show, you know they don't. And I made this point yesterday. I'm going to make it again because it needs to be reinforced. We have allowed really smart elected officials generally who are good at policy to lead us down the road of nonsense for too long. It, it doesn't need to be that way. Whether it's election, air quoting this, integrity, which is really just, can we just do it over because I didn't like who won? That's really the answer to the tune here of, Two and a half million dollars. Who knows what it is in Arizona and Georgia, Pennsylvania, pick a state, Nevada. Who knows what it is? I have a basic expectation and a desire for the audience of the show to be as smart as possible. Does, do I have all the answers? Absolutely not. Just ask my wife, Kathy. She'll tell you. But we're going to try to get to the answers with guests that actually have something to say. Now, you might not agree with the guests, because another unique thing about this show is we have guests on both sides of the aisle, which is kind of a rare thing now. The only equivalent I can point to nationally is Michael Smirkanish, who does uh, his own satellite radio show and, of course, uh, is on 8 a.m. Saturday mornings, a show I always watch, or DVR, every week. He covers the bases. And as much as people like to cheerlead for things now, which is the new version of politics, cheerlead for our guy, our party. It's, it's not really genuine. It's, it, it's sort of the fake version of whatever the fake broadcasters are doing, fake listeners, because you're not getting the whole story. And again, I'm not promising you all the answers. Some of these things are complex. Gun violence. Anybody got a solution to having... Not having kids slaughtered in their schools? No, it's not easy. I know this as a supporter of the Second Amendment and gun rights. The good guy with guns thing's not working out too well, is it? Because we have 400-plus million guns in this country, which is more guns than people. And I say that as a gun owner and a proud supporter of the Second Amendment. How's that working out? I'm interested in the actual results, the action plan to make less kids die, less concert goers die, less faith worshipers in their place of worship being slaughtered, whether it's a synagogue or a temple or a church. We don't get that conversation. We never get that conversation. If we do, it usually falls back into the same camps. Ban all guns, unrealistic. Right? Or 
They're coming to take away my guns. When's the last time that happened? Unless you're a felon. Which defines my whole argument. Extremes dictates conversation. That's not what I do. And we'll never do that. That's my mood today. Let's see if we can match that up. We got some angry textures. Whenever I vent a little bit, we get some, which is good. I, I love to discord. I had a long conversation on social media this morning with someone who disagrees with me completely on vaccines. But at the end of it, we at the end of it, we were civil, which is a goal that I think we should have more of. Um, a lot of folks on the Mexican story, the tragedy that happened there with, with uh, essentially four people going for cosmetic surgery, two killed. Uh, tragic, tragic story. Uh, and I said, you know, better decisions on the front end probably would, would have saved lives. But um, a lot of people going to the, well, 20,000 versus 7,000 or 10,000 versus 2,000. I understand the economics of the argument. But again, safety is something also that needs to be understood in this equation. If you throw that away, you may be throwing away the thousands of dollars that you're bringing with you as well. That's just a point I think that we we have to focus on as well. This is one of those stories that you know I don't want to be accused of being flippant about it. But again, make better decisions on the front end, we wouldn't be talking about this. I understand the challenges in dental care and health care and cosmetic surgery. At the end of the day, you have to make smart decisions and going to a very dangerous part of Mexico. I understand, for all the folks who are texting, that the resort areas are safer, for the most part. They're not perfect either, trust me. But some parts of Mexico aren't safe. And for poor people to just blindly go into that area without understanding that reality for trying to save money seems rather silly to me. All right, after the break, the banning of words... It's gotten so bad that I'll give you, I'll drop a few phrases on you after the news break. It is stunning. And I guess my simple question is, what's going to be left? Are we just going to be able to nod to each other, not say anything that's offensive because somebody, God forbid, is going to take it the wrong way? How does this sound? A evening with Patty LaBelle, Riverside Theater, May 20th. Grace, style, elegance, class, rhythm and blues, pop standards, spiritual music as well. Very versatile artists. We're talking about great artistry with Springsteen earlier. Well, Patti LaBelle is also worth the watch. So we're going to give away a pair of tickets each day this week. Today is your third chance to win a pair of tickets. Riverside Theater, May 20th. Caller number 5 to 855 616 1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Call number 585-616-1620. We'll win a pair of tickets to see Patty LaBelle at the Riverside Theater, May 20th. Two more chances to win after today. Be nice to Brandon, would you please? I'm being very nice today. Very nice today. That's because I'm in a good mood. Don't ruin it. Just kidding. You can say whatever you want to say. That's I can't I can't do the show honestly if I don't allow you to have an opinion that I disagree with. Um, so we're going to talk about words a little bit, and I just got a text from the 9-2. Hey, Steve, i got a comment on the outcry over words. been hearing a lot about it in books. For the most part, it's the left wanting to change the word words. How it is any different from the outrage people have over the banning or restricting books from the right. I can understand changing illustrations if they're different or derogatory, but what is written is written. That's from Chuck. Yeah, I agree, Chuck. I don't like it. 
And I certainly don't like what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes. I read a piece in the Atlantic, Atlantic.com, to be accurate. And the name of the piece is The Moral Case Against Equity Language. And just, just give me, I'll give you a flavor of some of the words we're talking about here. The word stand. This is this is not my opinion. This is what the the author is pointing to as some of the absurdity of this argument. The word stand is bad because not everyone can stand. Using the overuse of the word Americans. Not everyone is a citizen. Blind. For example, the sentence they use, legislators are blind to climate change. Insulting to the disabled. Wait a second, I thought blind people were saying they weren't disabled. They were just different. Crazy. Disrespects those individuals who have mental health issues. And we've seen other examples of master bedroom. Can't use that term, supposedly. Even the term disabled now, replaced with People living with disabilities. So, when we talk about cleansing the language, stripping away words that have been in use for centuries, thousands of years in some cases, why do some people, one group of people, get to decide for the rest of us what's appropriate? Now, there are words, certainly, that I would say I'm not comfortable using, would never use, and that's one of them is the N-word. Yet I know, because I'm aware of what's happening around me, there's comedians, writers, performers, still use the word all the time. And I guess if the goal is to scrub that word from the language, maybe the thought process that's involved in using that term might want to be reconsidered. Simple things like hardworking, not everybody works. Brown baguette, no. Something to brown people. I've talked about this before. The, the use of militaristic terms. I get why you use them. Fights. Stand up. That's become a challenge now. The word depressing. Again, that mental health question. Migrants, illegal aliens, that term, no longer in use. So what's the point, Steve? Why are you talking about this? Because at some point, what's left? It's a language that means nothing, has no character, has no heart. In, in search of some all-inclusive, non-offensive nobody's feelings get hurt language, you end up with a language that's not worth the dictionary it's printed in. And I don't want that. Because at the end of the day, that, that suggests that there's, we don't stand on anything. Because the bottom line here is there's always someone, I don't care what you're talking about, there's always someone in the current climate that's going to be offended or has a different opinion about that. It doesn't matter what it is. Trust me. Everything. There's an argument to be made. And if we don't have an argument, we'll craft one. 
out of thin air and make that argument. Matter of fact, some people go as far as getting a Ph.D. based on arguments about nonsense. It's the world we live in now. It's the uh, educational environment in some places. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. I've kind of had enough of this, but I want to focus on it because it continues to this day. Those are just some of the examples. It gets worse. Calling someone poor, hungry, anything that describes anything in any real sense. It's either replaced with a word that doesn't really fit the the situation or in some weird reality, eight words used to describe one thing in one word. How is that efficient? How does that make us smarter? And the answer is, to be completely honest, before I go to break here, it doesn't. More after this. Words matter. But you can also go too far in scrubbing the words out of our language. And as I said earlier, at some point, what's left? This rather banal, non-exciting, boring string of words that don't mean anything, don't suggest one's passion, one's excitement, one's anger, any kind of reasonable way, because we've taken all the the flavor out of it. 855-616-1620, you'd like to weigh in. Uh, 262, language evolves. Get over it. Uh, they they used this, a, fra- a phrase that I'm not going to say. Trust me, a thousand years ago, you would be canceled with an axe. <laughs> True, probably, yeah. Very violent history in this world we live in. Although the get over it part is, I don't want to get over it. That's why I brought it up. I think words do matter, especially when when someone says something on one medium and says the exact opposite on another. That's called lying. Or have we scrubbed the word liar or lying out of our language? They're just giving their opinion. That's the other thing that drives me nuts. One is allowed to say anything, even when their opinion is in direct opposition of what most reasonable, rational adults think is the facts of the story. Well, it's my opinion. I'm just giving you my opinion. Sure. But here's the facts. You know, and, you know, you know somebody said, why, why is this such a big issue with you? Because words matter. And here's a case in point. This involves the subject of journalism. I've been a strong advocate of local journalists because I think that's the last defense. Because if you lose those papers, you know, the people who can't say the name of the local paper, it's, it's a journal sentinel, by the way. This immature response to a local form of local media. Because they don't understand the importance or don't respect the importance of that media. Do you have to like everything they do? No, of course not. Who, who walks around every day and likes everything that happens in the world around them? Not many people. But it's the last line of defense because we've seen what our elected officials will do to us if there is no media to co- at least corral them. They will lie. Is media perfect? No. I've been a strong critic of advocacy journalism because I think it, it softens that hard line that should be there. You know, the, the famous one 
is liberals, Democrats saying, oh, all Republicans are evil or all Republicans are the worst people in the world. Not true. Not true at all. Are there crazies? You bet. You don't have to look very much farther than some of the, the rioting and protesting that happened in the last 10 years. Actually, go back to the 60s on the other side of the equation. Blowing up buildings, campus buildings, killing people in defense of civil rights. Was that just an expression of equality and fairness? Ask the people whose families were impacted by that if they thought that was the right thing to do. So advocating for one side over the other seems in some way, in my opinion, to be a little shallow. It ignores the potential. The greatness of the United States is because we have an incredible country that is diverse. But you don't throw away the language because it challenges you to think. That's empty-headed and dumb. Mike from Crystal Lake, disabled is a great example. It's people with a disability. Don't use the word, use the definition. So we're going to expand everything now. And, and I'll go back to what I said the last time I talked about this. If you think that disabled is an offensive term, then, then that's all. That's the end of the argument? I can say the word disabled and not like have bad feelings towards someone who's having some challenges. I can make the separation. Do I hate them? No. Actually, I want to help them. But helping them is much different than not being able to actually refer to someone as disabled. I just don't, I think it's silly. The fact that we can't say someone's hungry. Why? Because you've determined the word hungry is offensive? What if I say it's not offensive? Aren't you offending me by saying the opposite? I could make that argument. It's like the term Latinx that was thrown out in the last decade. When most Latinos say, we don't use that term. Where'd that come from? You can make up any word or be offended by anything. But whether you're bothered by it or not, that doesn't change anything. Now, there's a difference, a subtle difference, I'll agree. Sometimes not so subtle. With some words that we probably wouldn't use anymore. The R word when you're talking about somebody who has some issues mentally. You're probably not going to use that word anymore. I would argue the N-word falls into that. Just don't, I don't need to use it. It doesn't prove you're more powerful than me because you can throw it around like a tough guy, big bully. It doesn't mean anything. From the 262, soon some will want the color brown removed in the dictionary. I don't know what the limit is because we haven't reached it yet. I brought this up because we're getting into strange and unknown territory when it comes to the language that we use. Just me talking, but the intents and the emotion behind the words is something we should worry about. Because as, as I've also said, plenty of folks who go to church on Sunday, or w whenever you practice your faith, who as soon as they step out that door think it's more than okay to challenge other people on social media in direct opposition to what they were supposed to have learned in their place of worship. 
And if you don't think that's true, you're not paying attention. Little text cleanup from our uh, conversation about the war on words. 262. People don't die in hospitals. It's called negative patient care outcome. Oh. Crazy. Uh, 262. I find it interesting how people are finding all these different words to be offensive, and yet a word that even I think is offensive at this point in time is still including the official name of the NAACP. It just proves that it's not how offensive the word is and who decides that the word is offensive. Now, yeah, there's certainly that piece as well. You know, there's going to be a, a time in this country where, and I understand the reasons why there's like the black entertainment television and NAACP because of the oppression of that group for a long time. There's going to be a point in this country where one would one could argue that maybe there shouldn't be this separate or separate organizations. You could make that argument at some point because the majority race in the next, what, 50 years will be different than it is now. So is that going to change everything? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, let's see. Wow, removing words. Again, get ready for World War III. See, this is just one facet of the country prepared for World War III. That's why we bring it up. You know, people, when you, when you talk about civil war or the separation of red and blue states or secession from the government of the United States, there can be an ugly part of that story, which I don't think any of us that are fully conscious, breathing, who use common sense and logic as their guide and probably faith, want that result. So the rest of us are trying to figure out, all right, so what do we do about it? And the angry folks, the unreasonable, the irrational, want to take us to that direction because whether it's they've watched video games that Give them that idea or movies or whatever it is. This is the world I want to live in. I want some crazy guy living in the bush in the middle of Idaho making decisions for the rest of us. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, it's not good. And it's not the world that I want to live in, and probably you don't as well. All right. After the break for news, ask Steve anything, any question, fair game, sports, politics, culture, Springsteen, you name it, you ask the questions, 855 855- 616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. We do all of that after the news, which is next. Breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's Steve Scafidi. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I always look forward to the Ask Steve Anything segment. That is where we are at at this moment as we broadcast live from the Avenue Studios in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Hope it's nice where you are. Just heard from Joe in Atlanta, who is... I love this, especially with loyal listeners like Joe from Atlanta. We don't have to agree on the language question. Whether it's word police or how we use words or the, the tone and tenor of, of our voice when we say these words. But again, civil conversation matters, folks. I know that's been beaten out of your head by decades of, my words, political nonsense in this country, which continues to this day, by the way, with people saying things their audience wants to hear versus saying things their audience needs to hear. But let's put let's set that aside. So thanks to the feedback. Thanks for the feedback from Joe from Atlanta. 
Uh, you can always join the conversation, 855-616-1620, the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Why do I love this segment? Because it's, it's a chance for you to kind of take the conversation where you want to go. We did an hour on this last week. I'm not promising an hour, but there's Aaron Rodgers' watch is underway, so we certainly have to be aware of that. One of our sports guys said, not, not Brandon Snide, big-time sports guy here at WTMJ now, but one of the other folks said that he expects that to, to really heat up this week. Some big news. We'll see. Keep your ear to the uh, radio or TV, internets. All right, so let's start. Jim from Fond du Lac. First up on Ask Steve Anything, I've heard people say that since Ron DeSantis has, hasn't actually begun to run for president, true, sort of, the American public is, is enamored with the idea of Ron DeSantis more than they will be with the actual possibility of President Ron DeSantis once he starts his campaign. What do they mean by that? I think it's a couple things. One, it's the desire by a lot of people, including a lot of conservatives and Republicans, for anybody but Trump. That has been the one encouraging sign I've heard as a Republican on that conversation about 2024. And I've said over and over again, I said it before anybody else was saying it, he's a boat anchor. You want to sink? You want to stay in one place? That's your guy. You want to actually fix things, move forward? You might want to think about a different solution. But Ron DeSantis is a known quantity, sort of. Popular governor in Florida. Won a pretty big election. But the specifics of Ron DeSantis are the part that a lot of folks don't know about yet. What he's about. Now, I, so I told the story before. I worked with his dad in, the, in a, a private sector job for many years. He was our fleet manager. And I didn't know young Ron... But I knew his dad, and his dad was a good guy. I mean, I worked with him for a number of years. It was one of my first meets when I started with that company back way back in the 80s. But we don't know these people until we, we flesh them out. We hear their voices. We see them in candidate forums and on TV. And I will say this about Ron DeSantis. He's everybody's prohibitive favorite right now that I talk to, and especially people that don't just vote because there's an R after the name, you know, you know what I'm saying? People actually process this stuff, strategists and the like. People who work on campaigns or have worked in government. He's the candidate de jour for Republicans. And he may be the candidate after we go through all the primaries. Not saying he couldn't be. And I said, at some point in the last couple weeks, I may vote for him. Somebody who has written in Nikki Haley, who is also running for president. I think the first declared candidacy besides the Trump candidacy. So a lot going on there. Hopefully I answered your question. Uh, from the 262, Steve, what is your Brewers preseason prediction for the upcoming season, Stephen Hartford? Thank you for asking. Big Brewers fan, as you know. Um, I'm not super optimistic. I'm just going to say, just because it's easy, 500 team. Lots of great pitching. I'm not sure their offense. And I, I'm. I want to be surprised. Trust me, as a longtime Brewers fan, going all the way back to 1970, I want them to be successful. I love Craig Council. You ever get rid of Craig Council, you made a bad decision. He lives and lives and breathes baseball. Certainly knows Milwaukee. I'll be anchoring the Brewers coverage on opening day for WTMJ, and I, one of the conversations I always look forward of two is Craig Council, and of course the other one's Bob Uecker. That's my once-a-year chance usually to talk to him, and I absolutely love it. Uh, and I think that's coming up, don't quote me, but I think it's April 3rd. 
So I'm looking forward to that. Extended coverage because I have three and a half hours that day. Uh, so I'm going to say 500, which in baseball is, what, 81 and 81? But I, I want to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, let's see. If you could learn any language fluently, what would it be? It would be Italian because that's my history. Uh, and, and some information on that, my wife Kathy and my sister's in law are we're all learning Italian together. One of the great things about life, you never have to stop learning. And if you do, and if you live a boring life where you do the same thing every day, why? What's the what's the reasoning behind that always fascinates me. Learn a language, play the piano, play a guitar, play the banjo like my buddy Ken does. Do something interesting. I just we were talking about bucket list things at dinner yesterday and i said kentucky derby never been i've been to kentucky many times i want to go to the kentucky derby i want to wear the suits i want to dress up mint juleps the whole deal watch the race bet on the race it's on my bucket list got to do it the other one because we're talking about bucket lists touch a pyramid in egypt always been on my on my mind on my list want to touch a pyramid in egypt and if you've if you've ever seen this is a small group you've ever seen my vacation pictures i like to touch old things Old walls, old buildings, old stone. My wife's got a whole page in our recent travel book that me touching old things. Touch myself. I'm old. All right. Do I have a break? I got, do I have a break here? Yeah, I do. All right. 855-616-1620. A lot of good questions coming in. You can join us on the phone, too. I won't bite. A live conversation is worth two texts. I just made that up. I don't know what, what the equation, what the ratio would be. But join us in the conversation. Ask Steve anything, 855-616-1620. More of your questions after this. We call it Ask Steve Anything. You get to lead the conversation, take me in a direction that I maybe not would not have taken myself. Any question, fair game, politics, sports, culture, language, Egyptology, music, anywhere. Uh, for the 608, thank you for that listen. Uh, Steve, why are radio squawkers ripping Judge Janet over the debates but giving Derek Van Orden a pass for attending zero debates during the last election cycle? What a fascinating question. What a fascinating question. Because it's the ridiculous of politics. What you do doesn't matter. It's what they do. It's like the judges' decisions early in their careers, right? They've all made bad decisions. They've all made good decisions. That's the real world, folks. I'm sure the judges, if they weren't in a campaign, would tell you, I regret that decision. But as we know, nothing's perfect. It's the silliness of debates. Now, I'm the, I'm the person that said we should have no more debates, so it's not an issue of not appreciating debates. I, debates. I want more of them. But let's let's be fair about this. You do it. Your side does it for one race, and then you're going to criticize the candidate, the liberal candidate in this U.S. Uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court race for doing the exact same thing that someone else did previously. So the interesting thing about politics, and especially working in politics, it's not consistent across the board. Let's see. Mike from Menominee Falls. What's your question, Mike? Welcome. Hey, good morning, Steve. I'm sure you might have talked about this already, but I'm just tuning in. Uh, I was at the Springsteen show last night, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite moment? All right, I'll uh, ask of the, I'll of, ask, the night, of the evening. I'll answer that, and I'll ask you what yours was. Um, it's kind of silly, but I love Backstreet. So when that came on relatively earlier in the in the show, I was 
please let's see that. And I, I loved his encore because he ripped through some of the, the greatest songs that people associate with Bruce Springsteen. But it was a moment when uh, um, I think I put my arm around the, my wife. It was either Rosalita or uh, maybe Born to Run. It, it means something to me. I grew up with Born to Run. And that moment, um, sharing that together, because she had never been at a Springsteen concert with me before, that's a big deal for me. And anybody who appreciates music appreciates the connection that music makes to your heart and your soul and your brain. And that, for me, was kind of the cool thing. What was your best moment? You know, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think the, the encore when he, they flipped up the house lights and every it was just a giant party. But honestly, for me, the one of the surprising moments was when he played Last Man Standing and dedicated it to the his friend George, uh, yeah, the person, the friend that had passed away, right, was surprisingly. And I'm not a particularly softy guy, but that really hit home. I just thought, you know, I've been to a lot of concerts, literally thousands, and this was one of the best shows I've ever seen. So I'm so glad I paid a fortune for this. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely worth it. You and me both. Thanks for the call, Mike. And and that was a great moment because that was the the most speaking that Bruce did that night. He was he was sharing the story of. Of, I think it was George Thies, T-H-E-I-S-S, if I remember right, who was one of the individuals in his first band when he was a teenager. And he was dating Bruce's sister at the time, and he found out that Bruce played guitar, was or learning to play guitar, and he invited him to be in the band, and they ended up being in that band for, I think, three years in the late 60s. And um, the song's name indicates what happened. Bruce was the last person of that band that is now the last person alive and he talked about the individual george who immense meant so much to him musically and in his life and it was a it was a really poignant moment and as loud as that place got Pfizer form last night that was one of those moments where it was very hushed very quiet there's a few of those during the show uh and and it was it was like that for the last song of the uh of the evening as well when he just played on stage by himself there was a lot of great moments, and I appreciate the question because it, it if you can't tell, it's a big deal for me. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a big deal for the, what, 18,000, whatever, 19,000, 17,000, whatever the number is at Pfizer. It was a big deal for those folks. But it's also a big deal for a celebration of what's right. Again, I don't care about his politics. I don't, I don't live my life like that. The angry... You know, the shouting at the top of your lungs on on radio stations or TV shows. It's like, I don't live my life like that. And I, I think if you do that or you choose to do that, you're missing out on a whole lot of fun. And last night, there was a whole lot of fun to be had at Pfizer Forum. James joins us from the South Side. Hey, James. Yeah, um, i got two questions. Uh, one is I heard uh, the other day that you guys are... Uh, not going to have cubicles there. Uh, you're going. Everybody's going to have to share uh, everybody else's uh, workspace and stuff like that. How you feel about that? The second thing you were just talking about your bucket list. Have you ever met 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 the Pope and uh, and had a meeting with the Pope uh, in uh, Rome there, being Catholic and that and uh, and, and... Uh, I will answer those questions. Two very different questions. Uh, thanks for the for the call, James. Um, second one. I've been to the Vatican. Uh, I have never met the Pope. Not sure where he was when I was there, but uh, this was uh, about three or four years ago. And on the office space question, I've never had a desk here, and it sounds like that's going to be more of the norm, which I enthusiastically embrace. This notion, old-fashioned notion, I would say, 
of having to have an anchor position where you sit to put pictures up. It just it does nothing for me. One of the things I love about coming to work here, it's a great space, and we are located on the west side of the Third Street Market Hall, the Avenue, Wisconsin Avenue, downtown Milwaukee, which I love all of that that I just said. But I don't have a desk. I work out of a backpack. And I come to work sometimes as early as 6, maybe sometimes earlier than that. If the weather's funky and I want to beat the, the traffic and the snow, whatever it is. Or sometimes a little bit later. And I just camp out upstairs. And I see everybody coming to work and we have conversations. Uh, sometimes I ask them what's on their mind. What's the, what's the top story today in their minds? And I use some of that information to craft a show. That back and forth, that uh, congeniality between employees. I have a mission, mission this year is to meet everybody that works here. Which is not easy, by the way, because I'm bad at names. But I'll never forget a face, so if I've met you, I will know you for the rest of my time here at GKB. From the president, owner of the company, Craig Carmazan, all the way to people that just started this week. There was three employees that started, I think, on Monday or Tuesday this week. I'll try to meet those folks. I don't need a physical space. The world is, is where I get my information from. Right from multiple sources. Sometimes people ask and ask Steve anything. Where do you get your topics? I read a lot. I watch enough TV to understand what's trending. I'm on social media to, to get that sense, which, by the way, is completely different than other ways of gathering information. I don't bring my own bias in how I research topics, or do I? I will tell you what I think about something, obviously, because it's, it's an opinion show. But I don't let that color the conversation because I want to hear the disagreement. I want to hear the other side. If there is another side, it doesn't always have to be one. So James asked two very different questions. Hopefully I answered those questions. You can still jump in. We'll, we'll take it longer if we, uh, we get some good questions. A lot, of, a lot of them showing up on the text line. 855-616-1620. You can call or text. Ask Steve Anything is the name. The game is when I answer those questions after this. Anything. Any question, fair game. One quick one before we get to the bottom of the hour news here. Randy and Walkershaw asked the question. Good, great question, by the way. Do you think the ice ball would be played in today's NFL or postponed or moved for the safety of players and fans? I don't think it'd be moved or postponed because technology's allowed them to, to stay warm well past what was available in the uh, late 1960s. So, yeah, that's part of the, well, when the Packers had a home field advantage, they've sort of pissed that away in the last uh, few years. We know fans of the Packers will tell you that. Um, so great question. We'll continue the conversation after the news. Uh, if you have one, 855-616-1620. I just tweeted out a great picture. A local woman created a uh, guitar-shaped cake for the uh, the uh, performance last night. Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band, and, and it was presented to the band apparently after the concert. So I just tweeted out a picture of it if you want to see. It looks amazing. And I love cake, so. I'm all in on guitar cakes or otherwise. Still time to get your question in. Ask Steve anything. Congratulations to Maggie from Cudahy. She's our winner of our Patty LaBelle tickets. Awesome. City I grew up in, by the way, before I moved to Oak Creek when I was a sophomore in high school. Decision I didn't like at the time, but now I love. See, things change. Got a flip-flop? No. Things, circumstances change. All right. This is a good one from Dan in New Berlin. I love travel. You know that. I've talked about it. I'll be going on my second listener trip this fall to Tuscany region of Italy with the unbelievably amazing Rose Gray. 
and Fox World Travel, and 40-plus, I guess, listeners, which I'm thrilled about. Here's the interesting little backstory on that trip. You don't know this because we haven't gathered as a group yet, but I will be attending that trip with my wife and her two sisters, so my sister-in-laws. Three of those women I'm related to either by marriage or, well, by marriage, yes. So they will be part of And trust me, they're all unique and different and fun. Maybe I'll make them official cheerleaders for the show. And one of the things that I haven't pitched this to Rose yet, I want to actually record some stuff with the listeners while we're in and around the Tuscany region. And I think we're in Montecatini and Florence and Pisa, Luca, I think which uh, the home of Leonardo da Vinci. So we're going to record some stuff. I just want to get people's takes on what is incredible history. So anyway, so this question from Dan in New Berlin on Ask Steve Anything, and, it, and you can get in the conversation at 855-616-1620. Did you ever think of going to Antarctica? My wife and I just got back from uh, February 4th, and it is unbelievable, a trip of a lifetime. But you must go on land, not just cruise by. We landed five times and zodiacs six times chasing whales and zigzagging around the icebergs. And then we did a polka with the penguins. Polka with the penguins. Could be a comedy segment on the show. Uh, I love it. Uh, I've got a plan. Well, you know what? It's not just my plan. Travel, as Rose would tell you, and she's been all over the place in the last few months, is, is an I think, an essential part of the, of the living experience, right? And I don't just mean traveling around Wisconsin. I mean going everywhere. I'm going to Washington, D.C. In, in May, taking my wife and two others who have never been there to Mount Vernon. To some of the to the National Portrait Gallery, Library of Congress, the mon, the memorials, it's Arlington National Cemetery, and other places, and that's just one trip, and and I'm going to do this until I can't do it anymore. I want to travel, see the world. I want to want to go to Egypt, Australia, and even Antarctica. Although that would be a tough sell. I'm not a huge fan of cold, so I'd have to work around that. And maybe you go at the right time. It's not that cold relatively speaking. But great question, Dan, and I encourage people to travel. You know why? Because it widens your and expands your horizons, and we need more of that, trust me. Uh, Steve, with all the drama and the unknown of Rodgers, will Jordan Love go elsewhere to play for a better team? I think it's a it's a commitment. If if Rodgers is gone, it's the decision has to be Jordan Love. I mean, we've had the individual for a long time on this team. It does set up Remarkably similar to the Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers experience when he started his career all those years ago. Drafted in 2005, played really in 2008, started the first game against the Minnesota Vikings that season. What's Jordan Love about? What's he going to be? So you can't go through all this, I think, just since it's asked of anything, without answering that question. What's it going to be? What's he going to be? How good can he be? So, yeah, if it's not Rodgers, it's got to be love. I'm all in. And as I often say about athletes and politicians, show me something. I don't have tremendous patience. You've had plenty of time on the bench. You've, you've been able to practice with one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played. I don't think that's in debate, right? So you should have learned something. Maybe the Philly game last year, Philadelphia game, showed us a little bit about what he's about. He had most, and I know Brandon, my producer Brandon, said that uh, some of the opponents gave him some pretty high compliments, some pretty highly rated players on the Eagles. So 
I respect that. But again, show me something. Don't come in and stumble. You've had plenty of time to learn the job. Uh, let's see. Uh, that one has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Any, uh, here's an interesting one. Any pointers for me and my first time daughter driving? I feel the gray hair developing. I went through that twice. Here's what I did, and it worked pretty well. One, focus on the neighborhood first. They're familiar with the streets. That's the don't take them somewhere where they're not familiar with at the beginning. You, you got to do that eventually. Got to get them on a bigger, busier street. Eventually, the freeway. But a couple things we did that were really valuable. One, they know the streets where they live. They've grown up probably in that neighborhood. So take them around there, you know, advise them on stop signs and why those those four letters mean something. It doesn't mean you can coast through. You know, how to park. I think the parallel parking thing is a little overdone because I haven't parallel parked in a while, but I'm pretty sure I can still do it. But the other thing I did, we went into an empty parking lot. And I had her pull into a spot, something that sounds so simple, right? Trust me, there's adults that have been driving forever that can't do this properly. And again, empty parking lot. You don't want to bash into anybody. The other one is, in an empty parking lot, between the parking spots, there's a lane. Have them back the vehicle slowly in that open space. Shows them how to back without weaving. Shows them how to use their mirrors. All that stuff matters. And I know that the state has relaxed all the rules on this stuff. I'm not a fan of that because I think you still have to develop that. And I know that they go to private places and, 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 and are taught the rules of the road. But those little things, and, and you know, do it well in advance of when, they, when they're actually going to start really driving. Give them some time to figure it out. And those are the, the pointers I would give you. And just tell them to relax. And that goes for the parents, too, who are sitting in the car, because that's not easy, trust me. My youngest daughter, Chrissy, took her driver's test on her 16th birthday in a driving snowstorm. But she was prepared, and she handled it brilliantly, because... She drove down there with me in the condition, so she knew what to expect, handled them fine, passed the test, and she's a good driver, a great driver because of that. So real life helps, especially learning the neighborhood that you live in and the rules of the road. That's my quick pointer. We'll continue the conversation. Ask Steve anything, 855-616-1620 on WTMJ. Having some fun on a Wednesday. Spent the first hour of the program talking about the awesome... Really, Concert of a Lifetime, one of the best I've ever seen, Bruce Springsteen. I've seen him a number of times, not recently, though, and uh, it was a nice refresh on somebody who I have a lot of respect for and, and appreciate his musical talent because it was significant and on display at the Pfizer Forum last night. Uh, if you didn't hear, I, uh, somebody sent me a text with a picture of a, a local woman who made a cake for uh, the boss, and it's pretty cool. It's shaped like a guitar. Uh, Mary Kate Drena, owner of Whisk Chick, made it for the uh, the Springsteen and the E Street Band to enjoy after the concert last night. And uh, it's on Twitter. If you want to check it out, you can follow me at WTMJ Steve. All right, back to the questions for Ask Steve Anything. Steve, you ever watch shows like Louisiana Law, Texas Law, Yellowstone, Warden shows, the shows that uh, follow wardens and law enforcement around routes for the hunting and fishing? Yeah, I do. I'm not, like, addicted to them. Um, if you want to find a show I'm addicted to, it's... Um, Gold Rush. It's like, I watch it too much. I DVR it. That's how crazy I am. The, the lure of gold, I guess, it gets everybody. Um, I like the shows. It does kind of point out, though, that, I mean, people, 
in this country are a little crazy sometimes and try to get away with stuff. That's the one thing that bothers me about our culture. There's a lot of uh, trying to get away with stuff. I don't know if that's a good trait. So when you see, you know, wardens chasing down somebody who's trying to take a a deer or a, you know, a pheasant or something illegally, it's kind of disappointing. There's rules. We follow them generally. And the idea that rules don't matter, as you know, if you listen to the show, is not a big, big, uh, an idea that I would support. All right. Let's see. Steve, tell your listener to take a child driving in a cemetery. They can't kill anyone there. They are dead. <laughs> they have a humorist in the audience. True. That is very true. Although there are people living who visit the cemetery, so it doesn't that violate your uh, your rules. Uh, Steve, I always advise parents of new drivers to go to a large parking lot with fresh snow and learn to control the car in icy conditions. Yes, yeah, that's from Bob. Yeah. While we would all like our road conditions to be dry and the, and the weather to be sunny and relatively warm, that's not the reality, especially here in Wisconsin, over the, ne- the next three days, because we're going to have cloudy weather, snowy weather, snowstorm Thursday and Friday into Friday, ending around noon on Friday if you're keeping track. So l- having a child or any driver, child or otherwise, learning how to drive in those conditions, while it may seem scary at first, you learn what it feels like to have a vehicle that's that's riding on snow and, in some cases, ice. And it, I think it helps you uh, massage that situation. Before I go to break, and then we'll find out what Jeff's going to talk about, got a great email uh, from a listener. Um, also, Steve. Uh, hey, in the early 80s, I won two tickets for Springsteen and Madison. He was touring for the river. I was with 19 other people who also won a pair on a free bus ride from Milwaukee, WTMJ, to Madison. The bus trip was hosted by Reitman and Miller. I know both of those guys. Bob was his biggest fan. It was excellent, to say the least. That's from Steve. I love it. Reitman and Miller, legends in the craft of radio and music. Um, And not to belabor the point, because some people said, enough Springsteen, but there's never enough Springsteen in my mind. It was refreshing to see an artist approach it as, here's my music, I'm going to give you everything we have for three hours, just shy. We're going to play some hits, some lesser played songs, some songs that demonstrate the incredible music talent that is the E Street Band and the expanded cast of characters, which was amazing. And even a cover song, Night Shift, which is on his new album where he covers, I think, 15 songs. So yeah, the whole gamut. And a personal story about his buddy George. And I think the band was the Cantaleers. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong in the in the nineteen sixties, his first band where he you know sort of launched this incredible, successful career. Uh let's see, one more from the nine two oh. My name is Todd. I'm going to Vegas in the middle of April. I was wondering if you have any restaurant recommendations. We have gone to one of Gordon's Hell's Kitchen, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are doing Hell's Kitchen this year at a great restaurant. If there's anything else that's good, we like Italian. If there's anything off the beaten path, instead of just the casinos. There's a lot of off the beaten path. The way I find out, ask an Uber driver, ask a taxi driver, ask a dealer where they like to eat, like a good place that's not on the strip. That's the one way. But there's some there's some gems that are out there that people don't realize. I just ate there on my last trip. And I, I hate the hotel it's in. Well, I hate the strong word. I don't like the hotel it's in. And it's in Circus Circus. So before you, you know, go, oh my God, I can't believe he's recommended 
There's a restaurant in the Circus Circus, which is one of the most highly rated steakhouses in Vegas, and it's simply called the Steakhouse. And for fans of that kind of dining experience, um, you know, supper clubby, 1970s, the look and feel, relish trays, great bread, fantastic steaks, the Steakhouse at Circus Circus, unbelievable. Now, if you're talking about the Strip, um, every hotel's got great restaurants. The one I always fall back on if you're staying at the MGM Grand, which is often our base of operation when we're in Vegas, or the Bellagio, is Wolfgang Puck's. It seems almost cliche, but his spaghetti and meatballs in that restaurant are some of the best I've ever had. His meatballs generally are some of the best I've ever had. But you can have other, you can have Asian food there. I mean, it's a pretty wide menu. Uh, and it's in kind of the restaurant area at MGM Grand. Um, Tell you what, send me a send me an email at steve.scafiti2f1d at wtmj.com. I'll send you, send you some a list of about 10 restaurants I love in Vegas. There's a million of them. And I'm generally not disappointed with any of them. You can go to shows, any dinner in, in different hotels and places around town. You can uh, have steak. You can have seafood. They're, they're all unique in their own special way. And if you like big-name chefs, they all got a place. So that's the story of Vegas when it comes to food. So hopefully I answered your question and gave you a couple ideas. But send me a, a quick email at steve.scafiti2f1d at wtmj.com, and I'll give you a short list of what I think is worth going to try. And there's a lot of them, trust me. All right, quick break, and then we'll see what Jeff Wagner is going to talk about after this on WTMJ. Indeed, it's that time. We'll be back tomorrow, tomorrow's program. That's what Steve said. Thanks to the Mind Chef Restaurant, the winner gets a $30 gift card. Who, who doesn't get excited about that? I just was talking about food in, in Las Vegas, one of my favorite places in the world, talking about travel. Steve, I have to have a colonoscopy in the morning. Can you please stop talking about food? I get, you, I hear you, man. I, 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 I feel you. Um, first, of all, first of all, good job getting the colonoscopy. Smarts. Get checked out. It's painless, trust me. I've had two of them. But I won't talk about food anymore because my time is done. Jeff Wagner is up next. What are you going to talk about, Jeff? Steve, thanks so very much. A lot of stuff coming up on the program. In the 1 o'clock hour, we debut a feature which might be a daily feature, might be a weekly feature. We'll see how time goes on. It's my hope that there will reach a day when we don't need to do this feature anymore, but that is not the time. So stick around. That's coming up. We're going to talk about this push to bring back free school lunches for all kids, regardless of how much money mom and dad make. Oklahoma voters yesterday said no to recreational marijuana. What do they know that perhaps Governor Evers does not know? Madison decides that it wants to channel Milwaukee when it comes to going after certain auto manufacturers. We're going to discuss that. Speaking of Milwaukee, we're going to revisit the whole question of what the city needs to do, if anything, to try to grow its population. That's the goal of the mayor. How realistic is that? Walgreens faces blowback for not offering the abortion pill in 21 states. What should Walgreens be doing with this? Joe Biden considers a major reversal of policy, and some people on the left are upset. But we start with a topic, well, let me just tell you this. I, I want to give you an advanced trigger warning. If you are one of those people who are easily offended, politically correct, perpetually offended, if, I don't know, stuff that is somewhat controversial just triggers you to be extremely upset, well, my advice is 
Turn off the program after the news. Come back in about 15 minutes because I'm going to give you a trigger warning about the first topic that we are going to talk about. That comes up right after the top of the hour news. That's when the Wagner Show starts.